Hey there, everyone. This is Greg Shoots for ReadyForTheDraft.com, and this is the Ready for the Draft podcast, episode 15 of the series dedicated to the draft eligible prospects for the 2020 NFL draft, which is set to begin in April in Las Vegas, Nevada. Ladies and gentlemen, the regular season for college football has come to an end. A moment of silence, please. Okay, we're now ready for the conference championships. It's championship weekend, getting ready to find out who's going to be advancing to the college football playoff, where everyone else is going to be going in terms of bowl games. We're going to be there every step of the way. Going to take a look at every single matchup and every single bowl game. Really look at some of the best players in those matchups, guys that you'll want to be paying attention to come draft day. So, Really what I want to do with this podcast, episode 15, is we're going to take a look at the games, a lot of the um, rivalry games that led up to championship weekend. Take a look at some of those matchups. Take a look at at really what transpired and what led up to to this week and the matchups. This this week's episode was taped just after Oregon put the beat down on Utah. 37 to 15. So we're also going to take a look at that game just a little bit, what those implications might mean for the college football playoff. Take a look at Justin Herbert and some of the other draft eligible prospects. We'll have to talk about Panay Sewell, who may be the first overall pick of the 2021 draft. We'll see. We're also going to go ahead. We'll take a look at some of the players who have already made their names, you know, throwing their names into the hat and into the ring for the, uh, 2020 draft that are underclassmen, really the underclassmen tracker, if you will. Take a look at some of the names that have already made themselves eligible for the draft, as well as a few names that have decided to come back to school. That's going to be something that we're going to be taking a look at through the next few weeks. And ultimately, after January 20th, which is the deadline for the underclassmen to declare, we'll break down every single underclassman who declared for the draft. Take a look at their, their, uh, really their qualifications coming out of college and where I expect them to fall in the draft and really what to expect from them at the combine uh, going forward as well. So with this podcast, again, after we take a look at the underclassmen and we take a look at these games, we'll get into the linebacker position. We've already talked about the entire offensive side of the football last podcast. We talked about the edge rushers at defensive end, took a look at the interior defensive line the episode before that. We're going to get into the linebackers, both in the in a 43 defense as well as a 34. Some of the edge rushers, uh, guys who you know undersized at, at the defensive end position, who likely are going to kick outside and be one of those stand-up edge rushers, they're going to fit into this qualification as well. And then obviously we'll finish things off with taking a look at the championship matchups and really what to expect tomorrow, Saturday, December 7th, 2019. So without further ado, let's go ahead and take a look at some of these games that I got to watch last week. Virginia beating Virginia Tech. They get to go ahead and take on Clemson in the ACC championship. 39-30 was the final. And I'll tell you what, Virginia was led by their senior quarterback, Bryce Perkins. Uh, 20 of 33 for 311 yards and a touchdown, but it was really what he did with the ball in his hands. 19 carries, 164 yards, two touchdowns. Look, you know, not the the most polished passer in the world, but the the athleticism and, and you know he's a big guy. 6'3, 215 pounds. You, you think about guys like 
uh, Taysom Hill and what he's been able to do with the Saints, not only at the quarterback position, but really kind of that hybrid guy. You can fill him in in a number of different positions. That could potentially be Bryce Perkins' future. And you see the athleticism, his ability to run with the football, had a 67-yard touchdown run uh, in that game, averaged 8.6 yards per carry, uh, you know, really unreal there. Uh, was unloading the ball to, to Assis Dubois, uh, four receptions, 139 yards, had a 67-yard touchdown there as well. Um, you know, Assis Dubois, you know, he's 6'3", 215 pounds, a bigger receiver, big, strong weapon, uh, a guy who does a really good job adjusting to the football over, uh, you know, over his shoulder. Uh, excellent hands, runs the skinny post uh, in in that game, uh, and just really looked like a like a man among boys at times. You know, just because of his size, and I think he's somebody where a team could potentially take a flyer late in the draft or a priority free agent, and might actually stick with the team. Uh, I, I think Joe Reed is another guy, 6'1", 215 pounds. You talk about the receiver depth with this year's draft class, a chance for this team, for the, the draft class to really be special with the likes of Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, LaVisca Chenault, T. Higgins, Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith, Michael Pittman. You know, the list goes on and on. Jalen Rager, you know, if you want to throw him in there as well. You know, and that's just... The, the tip of the iceberg with it. Joe Reed is one of those guys who's going to kind of fall through the cracks. 6'1", 215 pounds, uh, real strong hands, uh, catches everything thrown his way, excellent route runner, knows how to get open, five catches, 66 yards in that game. I'll tell you what, a guy that really impressed me was, was Eli Hambeck. 6'4", 300 pounds, a guy who has size, who can play at the defensive tackle position, but really what he's been utilized there at Virginia is at a, as a five technique, and I think that he has the size to be able to do that. Showed off some pretty good athleticism as well. Um, you know, really a space eater, um, took up a lot of blockers, but showed some athleticism coming down the line, making some plays, um, you know, with his legs as well. Um, so that that's one of the things that I you know I was looking for was who else was going to step up, who's going to make that that big play there for Virginia. And, and Eli Hambeck was the guy that really caught my eye. Uh, you know, I, I think obviously when you talk about linebackers and we're talking about them in this a podcast, Jordan Mack is the guy that comes to mind, 6'2", 230 pounds, uh, you know, an inside backer. And, uh, you know, I could see him playing inside in the 34 defense, you know, but really what's interesting about Jordan Mack is, you know, this year he's really shown a knack for getting after the quarterback. Seven and a half sacks this season alone, uh, 24 and a half total tackles for loss in his career, had 114 tackles his sophomore season. Very active, showing now that he can get after the quarterback as well. Um, not going to be a guy, I think he'll be a day three pick, probably a mid to even late day three guy, but uh, a guy who I think is definitely going to, um, you know, he takes good angles to the ball, very intelligent player, up for the Campbell Trophy, which is essentially the academic Heisman there for, for the college football ball. Keep an eye on Jordan Mack. I think he's a guy that could end up um, you know, being a player there down the road. Uh, Dax Holyfield for, for Virginia Tech had nine tackles and a sack in the game. 6'1", 232 pounds. Uh, the, the sophomore, not eligible for this year's draft, but a guy, you know, a name to watch out for as we move forward uh, you know, in uh, 2021. Now Memphis taking on Cincinnati. Uh, this was a game, I'll, I'll tell you what, 
I really wasn't sure what to expect in the game. You know, Memphis and Mike Norvell, high-powered offense. What were they going to do against Cincinnati, a team that, you know, frankly, their, their defense, one of the best in the American Conference. And they have Michael Warren, one of my favorite running backs, a guy who just really knows how to pound the ball between the tackles. And Memphis getting that 10-point victory, 34-24, the 18th-ranked Tigers over uh, the Bearcats, number uh, ranked number 19 in the country. You know Brady White, an efficient day. Uh, you know 233 yard pa- yards passing and a couple of touchdowns. Uh, you know, and really the the, the big guy there was Demonte Coxey. Uh, you know, six receptions, 145 yards, and a score. He and uh, uh, Kadarian Jones, the the receiver, two receptions, 53 yards, and a touchdown. But look. You know, when you watch this, and this is going to be a, a, a matchup, a, really a rematch in the uh, American Athletic Conference Championship tomorrow, but DeAndre, or DeMonte Coxey, 6'3", 200 pounds, uh, a, a big wide out, very strong, um, you know, really a weapon up the seam, does a good job adjusting to the football over his shoulder as well. Um, and then there's Antonio Gibson, not much of a factor in the game, but 6'2", 223 pounds, uh, you know, second-year JUCO player, but a guy who just lines up everywhere. He lines in the slot, lines up in the backfield, lines up split out uh, out wide. You know, this was a guy who had a, a touchdown receiving, uh, rushing, and in the return game. And he's somebody who just makes plays whenever you get the ball in his hands. And he's so big, he's so physical, he's difficult to bring down, but you know he's really fast as well. Really burst on the scene this year, and he's going to be somebody for teams to to keep an eye out for um, as we move forward through the draft process. We'll be really curious to see what what he runs in the forty because. He's one of those guys who's a highlight reel waiting to happen, and when you have that type of size, you know he's one of those guys kind of flying under the radar in this wide receiver class. Uh, Demonte Coxey, I think it would behoove him to come back for one more year, play with uh, with, with Brady White, and then the you know he'll be a sophomore. You know Kenneth Gamewell uh, at the running back position. You know really, I think Mike Norvell is one of those hot names at the quarter at the the head coaching position. So there's going to be some questions as to whether or not he's going to come back. Uh, you know, Mike Warren, you know, really a powerful back after contact, really, a, a, you know, a guy that you have to have to swarm in order to, to bring him down and uh, really, you know, shows off power in the run game around the goal line. 21 carries, 122 yards and a score in that game, busted off a 39 yard run. So he shows off some speed. He's not going to be a guy who's going to really take it the distance, but a guy who has a really good burst, has a powerful lower body, excellent balance to run through contact. Reminds me a little bit of, of uh, David Montgomery in that respect because he can just run through contact and keep on going. And then uh, uh, Josiah DeGuara, their, their tight end there for the Bearcats, 6'3", 240 pounds, showed off really good hands, uh, good route running ability as well, uh, does a good job finding the zone, the, the voids in the zone, uh, over the middle for uh, the new quarterback, uh, as Ben Bryant was filling in for for Desmond Ritter, uh, just not enough there for Luke Fickle's team. That's going to be an interesting matchup down the road. Uh, you know, Boise State had a tough time there with Colorado State. Thirty-one twenty-four was the final. Uh, was keeping an eye on Curtis Weaver. That was really the the guy that I wanted to see, and uh, I, I think he's one of those guys who's going to have a breakout year as a uh, as a rookie. Uh, in uh, in the NFL next season, should he decide to come out, and I think everybody's expecting him to. Um, I likened him to Derek Barnett in the last podcast. Show that he can drop into coverage a little bit. 
read the quarterback's eyes, allow those eyes to take him to the football, um, you know, stand up defensive end, um, you know, linebacker, I'm sorry, the left tackle tried to cut him, kept his balance, quarterback tried to a quick throw, understood exactly what was going on. It was third and short. The cut block didn't really work, kept his balance, was able to leap up and uh, bat the pass down. Uh, Curtis Weaver, to me, I think is, is solidifying himself as a first round pick. Um, you know, Ezra Cleveland, the, the left tackle, 6'6", 310 pound junior. You know, I watch him, you know, his pad level can get high at times and I think he'll get driven back. Um, you know, he's, but he's very light on his feet. I think he's more of one of those finesse type offensive tackles. You look at him and you don't see him overpowering his man, but he just gets the job done because he's so athletically gifted. Uh, he needs some power though, you know, and I think he's going to be a developmental guy. That's why I don't see him getting drafted quite as high because you want to have an offensive tackle who's going to have some power to his game. And, you know, he's just such a finesse tackle right now that he's going to need to develop uh, a little bit more in that area. But I'll give you a name for next year's draft. And that, and that's uh, Trey McBride, uh, the, the tight end there for Colorado, 6'4", 258 pounds, sophomore. Um, but man, He's got tremendous hands. Um, you know, he, he uh, went, you know, nine receptions, 101 yards, and a touchdown in that game. Like I said, tremendous hands. He, he's one of those guys that is going to sneak up on you uh, as a draft eligible prospect. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, next year, you know, I'll be curious to see what how he times. You know, he he is such a weapon in the passing game. You know, you look for everyone's looking for the next George Kittle. And, you know, you want to see some of these guys and how they time. I'll be curious to see what, what Trey McBride does uh, moving forward. So, you know, that's one of the guys for me to to keep an eye out for here uh, next season. Uh, Washington taking down Washington State 30, 31-13. You know, Jacob Eason, 15-22, 244 yards and, uh, and a touchdown in the game. Here's the thing with Jacob Eason. He's still just so inconsistent. You know, everything, you can see the arm talent. That's apparent. We know that he has the arm talent. But, you know, the, the consistency with his throws, with his ball placement, um, you know, I think he has uh, a little overconfidence with his arm, trying to fit things into, into tight windows a little bit. Um, you know, so I think some of that errant, some of the errant throws, cleaning up some of those things, I think he needs to come back to Washington for one more season. They have some form of continuity with, with Jimmy Lake stepping in now that, that Chris Peterson has moved on. Um, so Jacob Eason to me, he's really got to come back, come back for one more year in the system. Um, you know, this was a game for me again, you know, you look at, at the accuracy problems and, and he's just not putting up the, the the stats that you would expect but everyone falls in love with with the the arm talent and, and that's to be expected but you know I, I just don't see enough yet for me to say you know what this guy's a bona fide first round pick this season uh Washington State I'll tell you their running back Max Borgie you watch him play you know you have flashes of of Christian McCaffrey 5'10 193 pounds sophomore since last season uh, 122 receptions. You know, that's more than any other running back uh, during that time period. Um, he's not eligible for this year's draft, but he's a guy who's just so much fun to watch. Um, you know, if you ever get a chance to watch Washington State play, Max Borgie is a guy to you know a name to really know. Uh, Hunter Bryant, the tight end, 6'2", 239 pound junior. He's a bit of a mismatch. You know, in in terms of you know having the speed to outrun linebackers and then also has the size against the corners. 
A uh, little undersized in terms of being a tight end. He looks like a, a more of a, a larger wide out and uh, reminds me a little bit of, of Evan Ingram, you know, in that regard. Um, but uh, definitely was Jacob Eason's go-to receiver. He's decided that he's declaring himself eligible for the draft. Um, and, and in that game, you know, just really showed an ability, you know, a knack for being able to get open, running good routes, you know, really a weapon up the seam and uh, shows a little bit of elusiveness in the open field as well. Lowers his pads and just runs over guys to finish his, uh, finish his runs. Nick Harris, the center for Washington, 6'4", 302-pound senior. Excellent leverage. Uh, you know, he, he's an undersized center in terms of his height, but you know what, those, those short arms um, on the inside, he, he does that, uses it to his advantage fires off the ball, you know, plays with excellent leverage, extremely agile, showed uh, on a screen pass to the tight end, uh, you know, Kate Otten got to the second level in a hurry, got his hips around to seal off the defensive back to to allow a big game for, for Otten. And then the left tackle, uh, Trey Adams, is he a first rounder? He's kind of one of those fringe first round picks, 6'8", 318 pounds. The medicals need to check out for that knee in the back. Um, you know, some inconsistent tape with him. You know, there are times where he just, he looks polished, looks like, you know, he has, you know, the, the pass sets look, uh, very polished, you know, the kick slide, you know, being able to, to take the proper angle to beat the guys to the edge, does a really good job mirroring, mirroring the defensive ends in, in pass protection, hands under the pad level, keeping his feet moving on the run plays, nice short choppy steps, um, you know, slid to his left, picked up the defensive back with ease in this game, um, but, well, let's see, you know, he, you know, he'll he'll get a little bit too far out over his toes, you know, and he'll you'll kind of see him, you know, almost lunging at guys at times. But for the most part, you know, like Will Rogers tried to shoot inside on on him and really showed a good power step, picked up that inside move, um, and, and really showed you know an easy easy uh, fluidity with with being able to pick up the the spin move back to the outside. And that's one of the things that I think you're really looking for in a left tackle. You know, does he have that mobility to be able to to slide with his man? And, uh, you know, we did see that. Ohio State, look, you know, they're the number one team in the country for a reason. 56-27, drubbing of the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, Wolverines kept it tight early, and uh, the Buckeyes ran away with this. I think the story there was Jay. K. Dobbins, 31 carries, 211 yards, four touchdowns in the game. Also had a couple of receptions for 49 yards. And look, you know what what you see with with J.K. Dobbins is, um, you know he he has excellent vision. You know I think he sees the holes. He's patient, allows those holes to uh, to really to develop. Um, you know from the from the blocks, puts his foot in the ground and, and gets north and south. You know, I, I think that's one of the things that, that really stands out is as he sees the crease between the tackles and and just shoots straight to the block. Uh straight shoots straight to the hole and then once he gets into the into the open field, shows some good acceleration. I'm gonna be curious to see exactly what uh, what type of uh forty time JK Dobbins is gonna run in this draft. He's only a junior, 5'10, 217 pounds. I'm expecting him to come out because he's one of the top five running backs in this year's draft class. Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift. Uh, Travis Etienne and J.K. Dobbins is right in there in, in that mix. You know, Chuba Hubbard is is there as well. But J.K. Dobbins showing uh, ran a nice angle route over the middle, excellent catch in stride, made a lateral cut to make a defender miss in the open field, and uh, ran away for from def- from some defenders as well. 
uh, 28-yard pickup on that on a, on a third and 14 play. So he's showing he can be a weapon in the passing game on third down, which is really what you want to see. Jeffrey Akuda, the, the corner, showing why he is the number one corner in the draft. 6'1", 200 pounds, the junior, pinning Nico Collins, the big wide receiver, to the sideline. Very physical in, in, uh, in press coverage and really never allowed uh, Collins to really run the route, you know, that, that he wanted to. He really just kind of pinned him up against the sideline, using that that to his advantage. Um, he, he's just one of those guys, he's so instinctive, you know, reads the man, read, you know, understands the routes, understands the concepts, studies them very well. Um, you know, Collins breaking through on a, on a slant route, showed uh, an ability to to get inside the wide out and get his inside hand in to knock the ball away. The ball skills are absolutely evident there. You know, and, and Chase Young in this game, the 6'5", 265-pound junior, um, shows excellent hands. The power in his hands, I, I think, is one of the things. You see him jacking the right tackle, uh, you know, Jalen Mayfield back, forcing the quarterback out of the pocket, t- chasing down uh, Shea Patterson a little bit. You know, saw a lot of double teams and uh, in this game and really wasn't quite as effective as he as he would have liked to have been. You know, I, I thought that John Runyon and uh, Ben Bredesen, you know, specifically did a pretty good job against Chase Young. We only had two quarterback hurries in this entire game. Never actually got a um, actually got a tackle in this game. So I think that's going to bode well for John Runyon, you know, as a potential tackle or, or guard. I think, you know, there's some versatility there with him. 6'5", 321 pounds. Um, you know, even when uh, Chase Young would beat Runyon to, to the outside, you know, he'd open up and really just kind of push him up the field away from the pocket. Um, I thought that he did a decent job anchoring against the bull rush, you know, play with pretty decent leverage, and then, you know, also in the running game, climbing to the second level, finding Malik Harrison, the, the outstanding le- uh, linebacker who we're going to talk about here in a little while, um, you know, just really impressed me. You know, I thought he had, you know, a, a shaky start to the season, but as the season's progressed, John Runyon really impressing. And then Brem- Ben Bredesen, one of the best guards in this draft, 6'5", 325 pounds, showing really good leverage, sealing off uh, the defensive tackle um, you know, and, you know, good hips as well. Really, the biggest thing is is for Bredesen. I think you know the same thing goes for a lot of the other guards like Shane Lemieux against uh, for Oregon. You saw it in the in the game tonight uh, against Utah. Now, these are guys, you know, first step quickness by those defensive tackles are, is really what's going to beat them. And Bredesen got beaten by uh, Devon Hamilton coming off the ball, um, ultimately dropping uh, Haskins Hassan Haskins in the backfield for a loss of one yard on a run play. But uh, you know, when he locked onto uh, Chase Young, sustained his block all the way to the whistle, very active hands, keeps those hands inside and nice and tight. And uh, you know, I thought he definitely helped himself as well. Um, those, that's tape that teams are going to want to look at. Um, you know, speaking of guards, uh, Jonah Jackson, the, the transfer there for Ohio State, 6'4", 305. Uh, excellent puller. You know, he was pulling for J.K. Dobbins, getting out to the right, sustaining his block to the sideline. Um, you know, really blew up Carlo Kemp, uh, the, the nose tackle, off off the ball uh, with a powerful, um, real powerful punch uh, off the snap. Uh, so those were some of the guys that I was really keying in on during that game. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, exactly what happens there. You know, Josh Uche, who is uh, Michigan's 
top pass rusher. He's he's declared himself eligible for the draft. We'll talk about him here in a little while. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how he times. I think he's one of those guys who's inconsistent. You see flashes, but you talk about production versus potential. Talked about that with Rashawn Gary last season. Um, you know, Uche, I don't think is, is a prospect at the same level as Rashawn Gary, but you know, he's somebody who I think will at least get a look because he does know how to get to the quarterback. Georgia just pounded Georgia Tech 52 to seven in that game. Uh, DeAndre Swift with two fumbles lost. Uh, and, and injured his shoulder, you know. So I think that's going to be huge coming in against LSU. They're going to need to be able to run the football. And if DeAndre Swift is, is slowing up, then you're looking at uh, guys like uh, Brian Harrion, Zamir White, and uh, and James Cook. You're relying on some some inexperienced running backs there. Harrion is is the exception, but uh, you know DeAndre Swift before this game, you know, over 400 touches without a lost fumble. Uh, you know, so I, I think. It, it, it's huge when when you see some of those things happening. He was actually having a decent you know decent run um, before the injury, uh, showing his ability to to lower the pad level, finishing his runs, excellent speed to get to the outside. He's one of those dynamic playmakers. You know he's five nine, two hundred fifteen pounds, powerfully built, bounces off of contact, ten carries, seventy three yards in the game before he ended up going out. Um, you know, his health obviously is, is going to be a concern, um, with that shoulder, but, uh, you know, he's one of those guys, I think he has a chance to be the number one running back taken. Although I think Jonathan Taylor, what he's doing there at Wisconsin, um, you know, we haven't seen things like, like what, uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor's doing, frankly. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. I think he's right in the mix though. Uh, Andrew Thomas, the left tackle, 6'5", 320 pounds, uh, really showed, uh, why he's in contention to be the number one tackle taken. Uh, knee bender, um, able to effortlessly, effortlessly mirror the defensive end, uh, keeping him you know, right there in front of him. Uh, pulled out in front of DeAndre Swift uh, to the left, buried the safety, got a kick out block there. Excellent balance. You know, I thought that was one of the things that was impressive. You know, you watch him. Um, you know, you saw a defensive end try to spin, um, able to really pop over and 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 pick him up, um, and, and then after that, looping around the linebacker, looping around, able to then slide back out and pick him up as well. Um, I thought that you saw some really good athleticism there. Um, so Andrew Thomas, if you talk about you know Tristan Wirfs at Iowa, the other top tackle for the draft. You're going to see a lot of power. You're going to see a guy that kind of reminds you reminds me a little bit of Brandon Sheriff, uh, who ended up being a, a top ten pick, top five, number five overall of the Washington Redskins because of all the power. But I think he has some of that versatility, um, you know, with his athleticism, being able to play both tackle positions. Those two guys, that's really where you're going to see those matchups, and it's really going to make things interesting. Now, Jake Fromm, uh, you know, here's the thing, you know, Jake Fromm started off. Just absolutely awful in this game. Um, finished 14 of 29, 254 yards, uh, and, and four touchdowns. But look, you know he he really really struggled to to start out the game and, and just was missing missing his receivers. Um, you know throwing the ball behind his guys, just struggled with ball placement, struggled with his accuracy. As the game went along, though, you saw him really start stepping up. First half, eight of 18 for. Uh, just over 100 yards and a touchdown. Third quarter alone, 
Uh, they put a stat up there on CBS, 6 of 11, 149 yards, three touchdowns, you know, really able to turn it around. You know, that that talks about the mental makeup of this quarterback because he's one of those guys who, you know, he, he's very cerebral. He doesn't have all the arm talent, but he was one of those guys that he was able to rebound and really help lead this team going forward. And then uh, Money Rice, a linebacker, 6'1", 235 pounds, um, you know, a, a guy who... Showed the instincts against the run, shooting into the backfield, dropping the running back behind the line of scrimmage. Um, did a good job running with uh, the the receiver in the flat. You know, the, the receiver catches the ball, able to uh, turn, drop him, and, and ultimately uh, force the football free from the from the receiver. Quarterback run accelerates, gets outside, chases him uh, all, all the way down as well. Um, you know, just a very, very active linebacker, especially in the run game. So that takes us to, you know, I got to watch, uh, let's see what else, uh, Clemson 38 to three against South Carolina. And really in this game, you know, we can start talking about our linebackers a little bit with, with Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is that prototypical outside linebacker, really that hybrid safety linebacker position that, that is, becoming more and more popular in this game as we go to more of a, a pass-happy league. Very versatile, 6'4", 230 pounds, showed his ability to rush the passer as a blitzer, can, can shoot in off the edge against the run, can play sideline to sideline, um, very in, intelligent. The gap integrity, you see him when he runs between the tackles, uh, understands, reads his keys, and, and makes plays. Um, very rarely is he out of position, can blitz the quarterback and get after him there. And then when you, I think the what was most impressive uh, about Simmons in this game was his coverage ability. Uh, he got to cover Shai Smith in the slot, and you, know, you saw the, the safety in him really take over, showed some recovery speed, was beaten initially, the recovery speed to, to – to get back to the receiver, got his head around, located the football, elevated with the receiver, had inside leverage, so he was able to get his hand up, long arms, 6'4", 230 pounds, remember, and able to knock that football away. Uh, just a tremendous, tremendous talent, and to me, I think he's a lock as a top 10 pick. I think any team that's looking for a linebacker will be uh, ecstatic to get a, li- a, a guy like Isaiah Simmons. Um, you know, Travis Etienne, another guy, you know, I think what's so surprising for, for me with him is he has all the speed, but he's running with power now, 5'10", 200 pounds, um, but he, you see a lot more power, you see the balance with him, but the explosiveness, able to hit the hole in a hurry, really wasn't asked to do a whole lot, just 15 carries, 51 yards, and a couple of touchdowns in the game, but uh, Etienne has definitely established himself as a top five back in this year's draft. Uh, T. Higgins, 6'4", 215-pound junior, another guy who's a top five wideout. Uh, you know, just Clemson's roster just loaded with a lot of these guys. Uh, but Higgins separating from the corner on a fade. 10-yard um, touchdown, really just a subtle push to create some late separation. Push down low. Uh, officials didn't see it. Able to go up and high point the football. Ran a post route. Really sold it to the inside. Um, with a head fake and a stab, uh, snaps it back off to the outside. I'm sorry, it was a post corner. You know, sold it to the inside with this head fake, puts his foot in the ground, gets back outside, left uh, you know, Mukuamu 
who who is going to be a, a prospect in next year's draft. Israel Mukuwamu, the the excellent six four corner, who's only a sophomore, had him turned around. Really was still covering the post when uh, he ended up breaking back outside. And uh, you know T Higgins. You know, you look at him, you see his size. You're not really expecting him to be such a polished route runner, but I thought I was really, you know, really impressed there. And then Javon Kinlaw, six six three ten, the speed, the power, driving the the center into the backfield. Um, you know, he, he's one of those guys just bench presses the the guard off the ball, gets into the backfield, drops the running back. Just a guy who can really disrupt. Uh, run plays took John Simpson who I think is one of the better guards in this year's draft drove Simpson all the way back into the backfield to really disrupt the run he didn't actually make the the tackle on the running back but he blew that run play up driving Simpson all the way back so that the running back really had nowhere to go to me Javon Simpson is uh, I'm sorry uh, Javon Kinlaw is absolutely going to be a first round pick you know, which takes us to Alabama Auburn. Uh, you know, Auburn, the 15th ranked Tigers, taking down the Crimson Tide, ranked number five in the country, 48 45. And, uh, you know, this was a game to me. Derek Brown solidified himself as a top 10 pick. And in my opinion, he could very well end up being a top five pick. I don't think anyone would bat an eye, just absolutely taking over the game. You see him eating up space, you know, demanding double teams, you showing the, the power. In his hands, just to to drive you know the jolt driving guys back off the off the ball, bench pressing the guys, getting off blocks. Uh, you know, a, a guy who was so quick off the football, quick hands. You know, you saw some arm overs and some quick rip moves, uh, chasing the quarterback uh, outside the pocket. A guy who was just so active uh, behind the line of scrimmage. You always had to know where he was on every given play. Uh, you know, seven tackles, three and a half for loss. Also, quarterback hurry. Uh, to me, Derek Brown was the guy that was just all over the place. Um, Alex Leatherwood for Alabama, six six three ten tackle, um, showed a, you know some good hips, you know in the running game, sealing off uh, the edge, creating a big hole for for Najee Harris. Um, but I think what he he showed his ability as a as a run blocker, but he struggled, got a hold against uh, Nick Coe, got his hand up. Uh, as Co was coming off the edge, um, didn't really move his feet. Kind of his hands got too high, so he needs to work on you know that hand placement. And I thought Marlon Davidson, uh, the six three, two hundred seventy six pound defensive end, you know who could be a fringe day two, day three guy, um, really exposed Leatherwood a little bit coming uh, coming off the edge. You know I, I thought that. You know the the feet, the, the the quickness, the the really some of that fluidity that you know we really were expecting to see out of Leatherwood. You didn't see that quite as much because you know that that, that uh, kick slide, uh, you know, a couple of really quick choppy feet, uh, choppy steps, and then you kind of see some of these longer strides. And uh, Davidson was able to get to the edge time and time again. That's really what I worry about with Leatherwood is. You know, he, he played guard last year. This is his first year at left tackle. Was still tremendous in the run game. Is he going to be a pass protector? Now, the flip side, what's really weird is Jedrick Wills there on the right side, 6'5", 320-pound junior. His pass sets just look absolutely beautiful, especially for a right tackle. You see him. He gets out of a stance quickly. Very good angle on the kick slide. Gets some depth as well. I think a lot of these tackles really want to almost square up the defensive end. And the, the end is, isn't is coming you know, at a straight line. They're coming, you know, they're coming at an angle 
and they're they're looping around that edge, you've got to beat them to the edge. And a lot of times they're not taking the proper angles because of that. Um, I thought Jedrick Wills absolutely does that. Keeps those hands inside, knee bender, um, you know, very, very fluid athlete, powerful in the run game. I think Jedrick Wills absolutely helped himself in this game. Um, let's see. Uh, you know, Prince Tega uh, Winogo for, for Auburn, 6'7", 305. I thought he showed a really good job, you know, against Raekwon Davis, showing some good athleticism, keeping Davis in front of him. Um, you know, slid very well with, with Anthony Jennings in, pa- in pass protection as well. Um, let's see, Jack Driscoll was another guy who was really sustaining his blocks on, on Terrell Lewis. You know, I thought that was one of the things, especially in the run game. Jatarvius Whitlow able to get to the outside, and uh, you know, so I thought I thought Driscoll really helped himself. Uh, Ter- uh, Terrell Lewis, 6'5", 252 pounds. He's a, another linebacker in this year's draft class, and uh, really a you know he looks more than anything else to be a situational pass rusher. He's real raw right now, and uh, you know. He struggled to get off blocks, and that's really hit one of his big things, especially against the run. You allow him to, in space, you know, to, to just really attack the quarterback, pin his ears back, and, and go. That's really what he's going to be asked to do early on before he can really develop the rest of his skill set. I thought for Bama, you know, obviously Jalen Waddle, uh, his athleticism there at, at the receiver position, he'll be talked about as one of the top receivers in, in next year's draft class. But Najee Harris. 27 carries, 146 yards, and a touchdown. Also have four receptions in the game as well. Um, you know, showed really good hands, you know, that I thought was impressive. You know, was able to, to shake defensive backs one-on-one. Um, finishes, uh, you know, with a powerful, you know, lower, lowering of his shoulder, running into guys, just powering through that. And But the athleticism, you know, I, I thought, you know, surprising athleticism there for him. And, uh, you know, I still think he lacks the burst that's really needed at the next level to be, uh, you know, the bell cow for an NFL franchise. But I think he'd be a nice change of pace with that physicality. I just wonder, you know, you, you worry, is he going to be another Bo Scarborough, a guy who just hasn't uh, really performed at the next level? Or is he going to be another, uh, you know, Derrick Henry? That's really going to be the big question mark right now. Henry Ruggs had a 37-yard touchdown in this game. Really, after a 17, let's see, you know, able to fight off the corner and then just really accelerate away for the, the, the final 20 yards after after catching the, let's see, it was a 17-yard gain, really exploded away from him. You know, one of the things that I thought was so impressive was the start, stop and start. You know, his ability to throttle down after, you know, really tearing out, you know, on a up the field. Ate up the cushion on, you know, corner was in off coverage. Then he plants, stops his feet, comes back for the football, uh, you know, for a back shoulder throw. You know, I think Henry Ruggs is still developing as a route runner. I don't know that I'd necessarily, a lot of people have him as the number three wide out in this year's draft class. I, I think T Higgins may have him a little bit because of the size, but you know, Henry Ruggs could very well be this year's uh, Marquise Brown. Um, you know, I don't think that he's necessarily going to be a Corey Coleman type. Um, you know, I think he's more, more like the, the Marquise Brown because he does attack the football in the air. I think he's a little bit better route runner than some of those other guys. Um, so Henry Ruggs, definitely a guy to keep an eye out for, um, Minnesota against Wisconsin, you know, obviously, you know, Jonathan Taylor, what he's doing, you know, the power with, with his game and, and the speed, 
able to also catch the football out of the backfield. He's one of those guys definitely to keep an eye out for. Uh, Tyler Johnson really improving his draft stock week after week. Does he have a burst? That's going to be the biggest question, but he's such a savvy uh, savvy receiver. I think you know, you're talking about being a possession receiver at the next level. Kamal Martin showing excellent range at linebacker. Zach Vaughn, really the, the speed rusher coming off the edge. We're going to talk about them here in a little bit. LSU against... A&M, I mean, come on, Joe Burrow, just absolutely, you know, he's going to end up breaking the record for completion percentage. He's at almost 79% for the year. Uh, just a guy who just always seems to be under control and in control of the offense. You know, Jamar Chase, arguably going to be the, the Bolitnikoff Award winner. He's one of the finalists with, um, let's see, with CeeDee Lamb and Michael Pittman Jr. Has the most touchdowns in the country, so that'll be interesting to watch. Clyde Edwards-Alaire just continues to impress. He's, you know, just 5'8", 209, but the jump jump cuts, you know, in the hole to avoid uh, defenders, you know, the quick feet making people miss, uh, and then the, the burst after the, the quick lateral cuts uh, to get to the outside, along with the vision to see the cutback lanes. Uh, reminds a lot of people of Darren Sproles. I can understand why, because of that short, compact frame. Um you know, Damian Lewis, the, the right guard, 6'3", 332 pounds. This is a guy who just fires off the ball and, and just really dominates a lot of the defensive tackles. You know, I thought the last two games, he's really been dominant, and I think he's really improved his draft stock. Sealed off uh, Matabuke um, on an outside run, opened a hole for uh, Edwards Alaire for a big gain. He's a, a guy, for me, who's really fun to watch. Um, let's see... What other games can we talk about? Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. So in this game, OU defensively really shutting down Chuba Hubbard. And what's crazy is you talk about 104 yards as, as shutting Chuba Hubbard down. 6'1", 204-pound, 207-pound uh, redshirt sophomore. Came into the game with over 1,800 yards on the ground. Um, you, you saw an excellent burst through the hole. That's one of the things. He was so patient, waiting, waiting, waiting for those holes to open up. And then, bam! Hole opens up, foot in the ground, gets north and south. Very decisive runner. Um, you know, just absolute, uh, you know, quick burst. You know, and a guy who's not going to not gonna dilly-dally. He's not going to sit there and have happy feet and dance around. He's going to hit that hole, get north and south, and then he's going to accelerate and run away from you as well. Um, you know, had a little bit of trouble holding on to the football in the game. Um, you know, had two fumbles, um, but... You know, a guy who I think is probably going to ultimately come out and enter the draft. Um, but this game was all about the Sooners. The Sooners uh, taking down their rival uh, in Bedlam, 34-16. Uh, Jalen Hurts, look, you know, he's now 37-3 and as a starter. 71.4% completion percentage, which is fifth in the FBS. Um, you know, just a guy who, he's not the, the tremendous passer, you know, I don't think he's a guy who, you know, sees the the entire field a lot of times, you know, will throw into traffic a little bit, but just the will to win and a guy who I think is just so competitive. You put the ball in his hands, you allow him to uh, to run with the football. Uh, and, you know, another guy who you just want to have on your football field, find a way to to get him out there and allow him to play. He's another guy that you could look at and say, you know what, he can be. Uh, a Taysom Hill type guy, you know, 6'2", 218 pounds, of, you know, former high school power lifter, a guy who after a win, it was, you know, there's social media footage uh, of him uh, working out after the game, just really a guy who is a winner 
And, uh, you know, he's a guy down the stretch. OU is going to need a big game out of him. Uh, Kenneth Murray, the 6'2", 234-pound inside linebacker, he's a guy that we're going to be talking about. Really got to play outside in this game, uh, which is really where I think you know, he needs to be uh, now that Caleb Kelly is back. He over over pursues a lot of run plays, lacks gap integrity. But if you allow him in space to just fly to the football, there may not be another linebacker who's uh, arrives uh, any sooner. You know, I, I think he really flows outside, gets to the outside in a hurry, um, shows tremendous range, and uh, you know when he de- when he guesses right coming downhill. Man, you better watch out because he's going to deliver really a powerful punch there in the hole. Uh, and then finally, Creed Humphrey. 6'3", 316-pound redshirt sophomore. Generates a ton of movement in the in the ground game. Uh, you know, he's a knee bender, natural, you know, just good athleticism, very good balance. He's a former wrestler, excellent agility to get to the second level, sustains his blocks to the whistle. He's really the, the anchor of that offensive line. The guy was just so, so tough. CD lamb, 14 touchdowns, third in the FBS, six to 197 pounds. You know, someone was making a comparison and I don't remember who it was. I was talking about, you know, what he did against Texas that, you know, doing Julio Jones things, but he was kind of a Julio Jones light at just 197 pounds. But someone made a good point, you know, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. And I really like that comparison because, you know, C.D. Lamb, not known as the most explosive guy in the world, but catches everything thrown his way, can be explosive, uh, football speed better than the time speed. And DeAndre Hopkins fell because of, you know, his, his 40 time, C.D. Lamb, though, I don't think teams are going to make the same mistake twice with an NFL prospect. Michael Thomas, another guy who, uh, you know, his 40 time wasn't spectacular. So he was another guy that fell to the second round. Can't pass up on C.D. Lamb. He's going to be one of those receivers that we're going to be talking about there at the next level. And then finally, Friday's game, December 6th, those games that I was just talking about, those were over the... Uh, Thanksgiving holiday, you know, there's uh, Saturday, November 30th. A couple of those games were on that Friday. But uh, Utah and, and Oregon, Pac-12 championship, Oregon really putting it on. You know, they they jumped out to a big lead early, Utah trying to rally, and then Oregon, that offensive line, I'll tell you what, Panay Sewell, just so athletic. Um, actually, uh, in, they, they mentioned in the, in the broadcast, eight games out of the 12 without a pressure, a hit, or a sack. Um, you know, that's just incredible. Um, you know, so I thought that was, that was a stat to, to mention there. Thank you, ABC for that. Um, but you know, just so athleticism, so athletic climbing to the second level, really shut down Bradley and I, and Bradley and I is a guy who I, you know, 6'3", 265 pound edge rusher, 26 career sacks, very athletic. And, and I think that speaks to just how athletic Sewell is. Panay Sewell will be the, the top offensive tackle. He's a top five prospect for the 2021 draft and could very well end up being the number one overall pick. Um, you know, I thought the offensive line really played well, you know, besides Sewell. Um, Shane Lemieux, I mentioned him, 51 starts, 6'4", 316 pounds. Um, you know, he, he struggled at times with, with quickness. Uh, coming off the off the ball, um, used his hands well against John Penasini, but when uh, he, he didn't get his hands on him early, you'd see him losing the the, the point of attack, losing at the point of attack uh, with, with the quickness. But uh, somebody who I think is really tough, um, hard nosed guy there on the inside, and uh, you know there was one block that ultimately opened up a, a thirty yard touchdown to seal the game. Um, 
for you know uh, C.J. Verdell, and really what he did was you know was uh, you know, slid with with a defensive tackle uh, to his right. It was uh, let's see, hands inside, sealed. Who was it? Was it Fotu? Trying to look here. No, it was Penasini. So his hands were under Penasini's pad level, uh, slid with him, uh, and then Penasini tried to get an arm over to his to his left. Still kept fighting with his hands, kept his hands underneath. Strong, really a strong block. And at the same time, Terrell Burgess was trying to shoot in through the gap. And ultimately, he was able to take on two blockers or two defenders and uh, open that hole along with, with Jake Hansen, who was having a tremendous game opening lanes for, for Verdell, uh, Cyrus, uh, Habibi Likio, uh, Travis Dye and company. Um, but that block, um, he was the one that blocked down on Lecky Fotu and just cleared the way, opening that hole uh, for that 30-yard touchdown to seal it. Um, Justin Herbert, you know, had a jumped out to a, a tremendous start in the game. Um, was 11 of 18 for 178 yards and a touchdown, and then really struggled in the third quarter before rebounding to to finish out his night. Um, but really, Oregon kind of jumped out. They were u- using a lot of zone reads. Justin Herbert showing the athleticism. Look, he's 6'6", 237 pounds. He'll remind you a little bit of Josh Allen, though, because he does have that mobility. You know, he got hurt uh, running the football early on in his career at Oregon. Um, I believe it was a broken clavicle, if I remember correctly. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things. All right, you know what? Let's keep you in the pocket a little bit more. But he does have the athleticism to take off when when needed. And, uh, you know, I thought that his leadership throughout the game um, was tremendous. And, uh, you know, he's someone, you know, you look at some of the polish with, with some of the throws, um, you know, the ability to put the ball on on his receivers on a lot of the slants. There's a lot of tight coverage, especially from Jalen Johnson, uh, the corner, six foot, 195 pound junior, really tight coverage all game long with him. And, you know, you really, Herbert had to put it on his guy. And uh, the big thing that Herbert needs to watch out for is, you know, when, when that line was getting some pressure on him, he's got to watch, you know, just relying on that arm strength. He almost threw a couple of picks that really could have changed the, con- you know, the whole complexion of the game. Uh, Calvin Throckmorton, the offensive tackle, right tackle there for Oregon, 6'5", 309 pounds. Um, big, physical, nasty guy. Climbs to the second level pretty well to seal off a defensive back. Um Physical, like I said, against the run. You know, I thought he was flat-footed at times, trying to block uh, Mika Tafua there on the edge uh, in pass protection. Um, lack some of that foot speed. I think he's going to be a right tackle. He's going to be one of those physical guys, one of those maulers. Um, he's just going to have to make sure that he watches himself so that he doesn't uh, doesn't get his quarterback hurt. Um, he's got to get the you know really move those feet. You know, Troy Dye, the leader there for Oregon, 6'4", 226 pounds, four-year starter. Uh, you know, had a blitz up the middle to really hit the quarterback, disrupt the throw, uh, hit right into the chest of the quarterback as uh, as Tyler Huntley was getting rid of it, and then had a a pick that really sealed things for Oregon. Um, out route by by Brant Keithy and kind of you know the quarterback stared down the receiver. Huntley stared him down, undercut the route on the, on that out route, and uh, ultimately stepped in for the pick. 
Um, you know, Francis Bernard, we're talking linebackers, so might as well go ahead and talk about Francis Bernard as well. 6'1", 235 pounds. He's a guy who just continues to impress. And uh, it was a BYU transfer. He's somebody who I think is going to end up being in, in the top five of, or I'm, I'm sorry, the top 10 of, of my, my, uh, my linebackers just because he just continues to make plays. And that's something that, uh, you know, when you looked at him at, at BYU, and if I can get my computer to work here, you know, was that BYU uh, 2015, 2016? Um, let's see, in 2016, 79 tackles, uh, had three interceptions, three pass breakups, comes to Utah, 73 tackles, seven and a half for loss. Another couple of interceptions as well. Just very active, instinctive player. A guy who flies around to the football. He's really done well. I think he's made himself some money um, with with this play there at Utah. You know, a guy who I think can play a little bit inside or out if you need to. Um, but a guy who just, like I said, very instinctive and can make plays all over the football field. So those are the some of the different matchups that I got to watch. So we really need to jump in and take a look at at these linebacker positions, you know. And uh, you know, when you talk linebacker, we again we talked about Isaiah Simmons, you know, 218 tackles in his career, 26 going for loss, 10 sacks, two interceptions, um, let's see, 17 pass breakups, six forced fumbles, fumble recovery, a guy who just does a little bit of everything, um, so instinctive. He's absolutely a, a top 10 talent and a guy that everyone should be keeping an eye on. Um, you know, when we stay there at the outside linebacker position, you know, Kalevin Chasen, you know, 6'4", 250 pounds. He's a guy to me, when I watch him play, um, you know, it, it's hard not to compare him to Barkevius Kiki Mingo. And, and, you know, obviously LSU outside linebacker, um, you know, taking number six overall in the 20, 2013 draft, uh, had 29 tackles for loss, 15 sacks in his career. Um, you know, you look at at, uh, at some of the production there, you know, 15 tackles for loss, and eight sacks as a sophomore, came back as a junior, just eight and a half tackles for loss and, uh, and four and a half sacks as the junior there in that draft. And uh, taken, like I said, number six overall by the Cleveland Browns. Hasn't really lived up to a top 10 billing. And that's one of the things when you look at it, you know, with Kalevin Chasen, you know, Barkevius Kiki Mingo, you were looking at him, you know, he's still in the league. He's still producing there for Seattle, but he's not quite, you know, you look at him, he's he's very serviceable. Um, and he's a guy who, he's a veteran and a veteran presence there for, for, uh, for the Texans. But, uh, you know, when, when you look at a guy like Clavin Chasen, you know, you can't be mentioning him in the top 15, top half of the draft. You know, 16 tackles for loss, just six and a half sacks. Um, but what I do like is, is his fluidity. You know, he, he's one of those guys who has, um, you know, he, he's got you know some twitchiness there with his hips, able to turn the corner in a hurry, um, can bend. Uh, coming around the edge, but what I really like is is the speed to power. Again, 6'4", 250 pounds, uses that length to his advantage, and you know gets explodes underneath the tackle's pad level and really drives him back into the quarterback. That's really what you want to see, but uh, definitely some inconsistency with his his play, and uh, obviously you know some of the medicals need to check out as well. In 2018, um, after just one game, went down to injury. 
And uh, so, you know, some of those medicals, obviously making sure that that checks out. Uh, Julian Aquara out of Notre Dame, 6'5", uh, 240 pounds, played defensive end there for the Irish, out for the season with a broken fibula. Um, let's see, this season, seven tackles for loss, five sacks, uh, 24 tackles for loss and 15 sacks in his career, um, four forced fumbles as well. Um, you know, in nine games with the Irish show, just 19 tackles. So it's one of those things to where he would get to the quarterback and, and get a lot of pressures, you know, he and, and Khalid Kareem, but you know, the pressures didn't always mean that he was getting home. You know, he was affecting the play. Um, and a lot of other guys can make plays on the quarterback or allow, you know, pressuring the quarterback, forcing him to make a, uh, you know, really a, a bad throw, but, if you're drafting him, you're drafting drafting a Quora to ultimately be a pass rusher. I think you know he would, he would be better suited in a in a three four scheme as an outside linebacker, allow him to play in space a little bit more, and, and I think that would really you know benefit him well than having him play with his hand in the dirt, struggles a little bit at times to get off blocks. Let him use that length to his advantage. I mentioned Monty Rice earlier, six one, two hundred thirty five pounds. Um, this season, 79 tackles, a couple of tackles for loss, three pass breakups. You know, the stats don't really tell the story though. He's very instinctive, flies around to the football. Um, you know, does a good job getting outside, plays inside out and uh, a guy who, you know, can play outside, can play inside. I think, you know, he's probably would be best suited as an inside backer in a 34 defense. Uh, Anthony Jennings of Alabama, 6'3", 259 pounds. When you watch him play, I think he's playing some of his best football this year. Uh, you see some of the you know some of the athleticism that really jumps off off the film. You know his ability to bend coming around the edge, um, showing good power as well. Um, you know at the the outside linebacker position, really that jack position for for Bama. Uh, 12 and a half tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks this year. That you know, that seven and a half sacks, the most production getting after the quarterback uh, a season ago. Uh, just five and a half sacks, but look, he had 11 pass breakups as well. He has tremendous length, uh, 18 total pass breakups in his career, two interceptions as well, uh, 33 total tackles for loss, 14 sacks. I think Anthony Jennings is a day two pick. He's one of those guys for Bama who can get after the quarterback a little bit, but uh, his ability to get his hand in passing lanes and, and knock passes down, that's why Uchenna Nwosu was able to get drafted day two by the Chargers. You know, And I think Anthony Jennings is one of those guys you know, late second round, early third round. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Jonathan Greenard, there at uh, at Florida, 6'4", 263 pounds. Battled some injuries this year, uh, getting out onto the field. But look, his last year there at Louisville as a sophomore in 2017, man, 15 and a half tackles for loss, seven sacks. Picks it up where he left off after he transferred to Florida. 15 tackles for loss, nine sacks there. You know, and, and another guy who's just so explosive coming off the edge. You know, I think he's a much better prospect overall than Ja'Kai Polite. Polite had all the athleticism, but you know, Jonathan Greenard, um, you know, the relentlessness. You know, he, he's a guy who can can really make some plays behind the line of scrimmage, not just getting after the quarterback. Um, you know, a guy who I think wins at the point of attack with with his hands. Um, definitely a guy who times up the snap counts very well and uh, can really bend coming around coming off the edge. 
And Malik Harrison, more of the traditional outside linebacker in a 43 defense, 6'3, 240 pounds for the Buckeyes. Uh, you know, has four and a half sacks this year, so he's showing that he can get after the quarterback a little bit. Uh, eight pass breakups uh, and an interception in his career as well, but 28 and a half tackles for loss. A guy who just knows how to make plays behind the line of scrimmage, very instinctive player, a guy who can play in space. Uh, he's a guy who I think. Um, can play in the league a long time. I think he you know, offers some versatility for you. Now, I'm going to give you a name of a group of five guy who I think is really going to shoot up draft boards, and that's Alex Highsmith out of Charlotte. Um, you know, when we talk about some of the group of five guys, you know, another uh, Conference USA guy was um, Marcus Davenport. Now, obviously, Alex, uh, Alex Highsmith, numbers don't quite match Marcus Davenport there at you know, coming out of UTSA, but 6'7", 255, Marcus Davenport, you know, 14th overall pick of the Saints, 37 and a half tackles for loss, 21 and a half sacks, eight pass breakups, and, and four, uh, I'm sorry, six forced fumbles, you know, to go along with 185 tackles. So you compare that with Alex Highsmith, just 6'4", 242, Definitely a 3-4 outside linebacker versus Davenport, who's going to play defensive end. Um, obviously, we knew that for the for the Saints. But tackle-wise, you know, pretty close there. 178 tackles. He has 47 tackles for loss. And when you think about that, that's 18.5 tackles for loss as a sophomore. Really showed he could start making plays behind the line of scrimmage there in 2018. Only got to the quarterback three times. But he showed that that, that burst coming off the edge, his ability to bend, you're really relentless, high-motor guy, you know, making plays in the backfield. But what he's done this year is added the, the ability to rush the passer. 15 sacks to go along with 21.5 tackles for loss. So when you're looking at his stats, 47 tackles for loss, 21 sacks, very comparable to, to Marcus Davenport. Now, Davenport, obviously, the tremendous athlete with all the size and the length, but I think Alex Highsmith has a, has a chance to make a more of an impact than Marcus Davenport because he's one of those guys, he's an undersized defensive end who's probably going to play outside linebacker in a 34 defense, and a guy, you allow him to play in space, allow him to do what he does behind the line of scrimmage, and uh, I, I honestly believe Alex Highsmith can end up being one of the top linebackers in this draft. Keep an eye out for him. So I mentioned group of five, and, and I'd be remiss if I, I, I didn't stay there just for one moment. How about Ladarius Hamilton out of uh, North Texas? 6'3", 260 pounds. Is he a linebacker? Is he a, a defensive end? You know, he, he's kind of undersized to be a defensive end, kind of bigger to be on the bigger side to be a linebacker. So it'll be interesting to see what he does at the combine, um, you know, especially with that body type. But a guy, again, explosive coming into the backfield, tw- uh, 28 and a half tackles for loss for the Mean Green, um, you know, 15 sacks in the last two seasons, you know, back to back seasons with 7.5 sacks. You know, so he, he's one of those guys, he's not going to be playing in a bowl game. Mean Green did not uh, qualify for the Bulls. Um, but you know, tune into ES, ESPN plus, you know, look for some of those games that uh, the mean green played, um, and, and keep an eye out for, for Ladarius Hamilton. Um, he's one of those guys. I hope he gets an invite to the combine. Really curious to see how he tests. Uh, but those are, uh, he and Hightower, the two guys to really keep an eye out for. Now, when we move to the inside linebacker position, um, you know, Dylan Moses is the name that everyone's talking about. And, uh, you know, rightfully so, you know, he's one of those guys coming into this season, everyone was predicting that he would be the number one inside backer. Locke is a first round pick. 
I, I don't see him being a first rounder right now. I just don't. He's 6'3, 235 pounds. You're looking at more of, of the potential more than anything else. Last year, 86 tackles, 10 tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, tore his ACL. So you've got him coming back from an ACL tear. And, you know, really just one year as the guy there in the middle for Alabama. You know, so you're really kind of doing more of an assessment of, you know, what could he potentially be in an NFL uniform? We still don't know if Dylan Moses is going to come out. If he does, because of all the injuries, um, you know, especially with what happened to Tua uh, with his hip, um, you know, Dylan Moses to me, I think should still be a a second rounder, you know, um, but you know, just because I think there are still are some question marks. I think team, you know, teams really wanted to see him take that next step. Um, you know, so I, I think he's one of those guys that you really have to have to worry about. You know, you want to see him. You know, can he bounce back from that ACL tear? That's going to be the biggest question. You know, Kenneth Murray at OU. A lot of people talking about him as a late first rounder, six two, two hundred forty three pounds. I think he's playing out of position. Uh, inside backers. I wanted to mention him as one of the outside linebackers. Look, in 2018, 155 tackles. 84 of those, though, were solo. Uh, 12 and a half tackles for loss, four and a half sacks. This season, another 85 tackles, 13 and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks. You know, but but here's the deal with, with Kenneth Murray. Gap integrity is a, a major issue for me with him. You know, I think he's one of those things just seems to be out of position there in uh, at inside backer, allowing a lot of big run plays to to develop as a result. And uh, now that Caleb Kelly is getting healthy and playing inside, you're allowing Kenneth Murray to really play in space. We talked about that earlier here on this podcast. And uh, I, I think Kenneth Murray, you know, when you're looking at these outside linebackers, he's one of those guys who could definitely slide in and be a, an early day two guy just because of his athleticism. I don't know that he's necessarily a first rounder, um, but he definitely has the athleticism and looks the part of a first rounder. So, you know, I think that's really going to be the big question. You know, how does he time? You know, I think he's going to be an athletic freak. So I think that's going to help his draft stock. And then it's going to come down to the interviews, um, you know, because I think teams are going to test him a little bit because you saw the gap integrity, you saw him over pursuing a lot of plays. You know, can he really diagnose the plays and be consistent or is he just guessing out there and just a guy who's just flying around to the football? I think that's one of the things he doesn't have to think quite as much, you know, they were saying in Alex Grinch's scheme. And so that makes you worry a little bit. You know, is he a guy who can process information quickly? Back outside to the the outside backer, you know, uh, I just was looking at this. We talked about Troy Dye, 374 tackles in his career, 40 and a half tackles for loss, 12 and a half sacks, four interceptions, 14 pass breakups. Guy does a little bit of everything. You know, I thought this year, you know, really some of the athletic limitations for him exposed a little bit at, at times, you know, making some of his tackles down the football field. But a guy who can play, he can be a three-down linebacker. He just needs to play a little bit more consistently. Uh, And then Daryl Taylor, the linebacker-defensive end hybrid for Tennessee, 6'4", 255 pounds, back-to-back seasons with at least seven seven sacks, has 24.5 tackles for loss in his career as well, seven pass breakups, six forced fumbles, knows what to do when he gets to the football. Um... You know, one of the guys who definitely has a burst coming off the edge can bend around there. He's just one of those guys who's disappeared. You know, and that's one of the things that I, I worry about with with Daryl Taylor and taking him too high in the draft is, 
you know what you're talking about the 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 athleticism and the potential but man you got to be able to to show up game in and game out if you're going to be one of those edge rushers the guy that's really being counted upon to get after the quarterback you've got to make sure that you're showing up um you know each and every game you know what would you look at with with him with the sacks you know a, a season ago had 3 sacks against Georgia four sacks against Kentucky and had one sack the remainder of the year. And that was against Vanderbilt, you know, so that that's something that definitely has to be a concern. And really he started off the season, you know, through, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, the first seven games had three sacks. And then in the final five games, you know, had, had two sacks against South Carolina, uh, a sack against UAB and Kentucky before uh, getting shut out against Missouri and Vanderbilt to close out the season, you know, he, he's someone who, you know, he'll flash and then he'll disappear. And that's really what you worry about is, is he going to be consistent enough uh, to be worthy of a, of a high draft pick? And that's really going to be a big question mark for me, for him at the, at the next level. So moving back inside, I know I mentioned Dylan Moses kind of out of turn there. We've talked about Monty Rice. We've talked about Ken, uh, Kenneth Murray and what I think of him. I'll give you a name of a guy that people aren't really talking about. And uh, that's Jordan Brooks out of Texas Tech. Now, not many people are really familiar with Jordan Brooks because, um, you know, frankly, Texas Tech not having a really good year this year. Uh, 6'1", 240 pounds, just a very, you know, just a really good athlete, very instinctive. Um, you know, 108 tackles this year, including uh, 20 for loss, three sacks. Um, let's see, he has six pass breakups in his career, can drop into coverage a little bit, but just so instinctive. You know, he's very decisive. Um, he's one of those guys, we talked about Kenneth Murray, can he diagnose plays? Can he be, you know, you were the instincts um, between the tackles? And that's one of the things you don't have to worry about with, with Jordan, Jordan Brooks. Sees the play, you know, no wasted movement, and shoots the gaps, making plays behind the line of scrimmage. Very sure tackler as well. Um, he's one of those guys who's underrated. I think he's going to get drafted a lot higher than maybe some people are expecting just because he is so dynamic of an athlete. Um, let's see, you know, really more so, I shouldn't say the athletic, uh, the athleticism as much as the it's the instincts that really kicks in. Uh, David Woodward, 6'2", 230 pounds out of Utah State, and uh, 134 tackles as a sophomore, 12 and a half for, uh, going for loss, five sacks, uh, a couple of interceptions, had three pass breakups. This season, 93 tackles uh, in just seven games. I mean, you think about that. 93 tackles in seven games, um, you know, ultimately was, was out with an unspecified injury, basically out for the rest of the season. But uh, five tackles, another two sacks, four forced fumbles. The question is going to be, you know, with this injury, does he come back or um, does he decide to test the waters and enter the draft? That's going to be a big question mark with him. But, you know, teams are going to want to know medically what's going on. Um, so that's one of those things up in the air. You could see him come back for one more year, really ending on kind of a sour note there with Utah State. They're, they're going to end up playing in a bowl game, but not uh, the season that they were expecting after having so, you know such high hopes with, with Matt Wells. Uh, Matt Wells leaves to, to take the Texas Tech job, and Gary Anderson coming in. Jordan Love kind of struggling there at, at the quarterback position. I'd love to see Jordan Love come back for one more year, really work on some of the things, some of the, the passes that he was making, uh, not seeing the entire field, um, really struggling at times. You get 
you get him back, you get David Woodward, the quarterback of the defense back, and uh, you've got some pieces for for uh, for Gary Anderson to work with. Now, Cal's linebacker, Evan Weaver, 6'3", 235 pounds. Just, uh, you know, he's not the most athletic guy. I think you look at him and, you know, he's not the, mo- the most physically gifted specimen. Um, but there may not be a more instinctive linebacker you know, he's shown that despite some of his physical limitations, he can drop back into coverage. He can read the quarterback's eyes, allows that to take him to the football. No wasted movement whatsoever. I mean, he's so much fun to watch. Had 155 tackles as a as a junior, eight and a half going for loss, four and a half sacks, six pass breakups, a couple of interceptions, one of which was returned for a touchdown. What's his encore performance? Well, shoot, he had 95 solo tackles. This season, en route to a total of 172 tackles, just two tackles shy of 400 for his career. 11 and a half going for loss. That makes it 23 and a half in his career. Uh, just two and a half sacks, but he's got eight and a half sacks in his career. 11 total pass breakups, two forced fumbles this season as well. Just the the instincts jump off the charts. He, he flies around to the football, um, you know, and. Run plays, you know, you, you better, you know, if you run run at him, you better make sure that he's blocked because he's going to make the make the play in the open field. Just a very, very intelligent, intelligent linebacker and, and really a whole lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, when you look at, at the tackle production, um, you know, this past season had double-digit tackles in all but two games, um, had 20-plus tackles in three games. You know, over 20 tackles in three in three games, and then had 18 in another game. You know, just staggering, staggering stuff here. Um, you know, and then if you look at it, the season prior, had double-digit tackles in all but three games. Um, you know, and really, the the, the double-digit tackles, you know, really what I, I think stands out more than than even those numbers is he had four games where he had double-digit solo tackle performances and and, you know that that's just staggering when you really think about it you know just how active this guy is just making plays all over the football field the athleticism he's not going to test all that well at the combine let's face it but I think he's a guy who will be a you know probably a mid to late day three pick um, I, I think he should be drafted a lot higher than that. I think he's going to end up making plays uh, at the next level. I think he's going to be one of those guys that people are going to talk about, man, where'd this guy come from? Um, I, I think because of the the lack of athleticism, teams are going to maybe drop him down. But I think those instincts, you cannot deny what this guy is doing out there on the football field. Uh, Patty Fisher, another uh, very instinctive inside linebacker there for uh, Northwestern, a guy with uh, back-to-back 100, uh, let's see, over 110 tackles in each of his first two seasons there with with Northwestern. Uh, this past season, 88 tackles, uh, has a total of 20 tackles for loss in his career, eight pass breakups, nine total forced fumbles. This year was kind of a down year for Northwestern as a whole, and I thought Patty Fisher, you know, a lot of the plays that he was making, getting, you know, playing inside out, playing fast, I thought that, uh, you know, you didn't see him playing um, with that same level of confidence that uh, I think we saw, you know, as a, as a freshman and sophomore. People also knew who number 42 was out there on the football field, so they were really trying to key in on him and, and force other guys on that defense to beat him. But, you know, 
some of the plays you know that he was able to get to from inside out you know he just wasn't able to work through some of the traffic um you know coming downhill wasn't always as reliable in the open field um i think he was pressing a little bit there to make a lot of plays for uh the wildcats so he may want to come back for one more year to really put more consistent tape out there um i i think hopefully the scouts would look at it and say what if you know not what have you done for me lately? But look at the whole body of work. Um, you know, I, I think Patty Fisher probably will come back. You know, he was initially talked about as a first rounder, probably going to fall to a, a late day two, maybe even early day three pick, uh, depending on how he tests at the combine. But, uh, you know, a guy who I think should come back for one more year. And then there's Shaq Quarterman there from Miami, 6'1", 240 pounds, uh, a guy who, to me, I watch him, and he reminds me a lot of Denzel Perryman, just really a thumper there on the uh, inside there for uh, Miami. Started every game there in his career with the Hurricanes. Um, you know, he's going to end up with, what is it, 52 starts under his belt. Um, really having his best year this year. Um, you know, 96 tackles, 15 and a half for loss. That's 400, uh, I'm sorry, 46 and a half for his career, 345 tackles, uh, 12 total sacks, only has one so far this year, 13 pass breakups in his career and, and two forced fumbles. A guy who, um, you know, he, he's inconsistent, I think at times, uh, in coverage. I think there are times where he gets lost, but there's no doubt against the run, um, he, he's a force, he, you know, really plays well coming downhill, plays inside out very well. Gap integrity is not an issue with him. Um, and when he drops into coverage, does a pretty good job reading the quarterback's eyes. He just struggles with man coverage more than anything else. And I think that's really, um, you know, going to be what he's going to have to prove is that he can, when he drops into coverage, that he's going to be able to, you know, stay on the field on, 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 on passing downs. And I think that could potentially impact where he ends up getting drafted. You know, he can end up being a fourth or fifth round pick when it's all said and done. Um, but I think he'll he'll test pretty well. I think he's a, he's a pretty good athlete, and he's actually been one of my favorite guys to watch there for the Hurricanes uh, over the last four years. I can't believe um, you know, his career there at Miami is is coming to an end. So those are some of my linebackers to really keep an eye on and watch out for. Um, I, I didn't mention Davion Taylor there playing there at Colorado. He's really going to be a guy that I think we're going to talk about at the safety position. And uh, you know, some of the safeties, linebackers, we'll, we'll take a look at that uh, as we talk about the, the secondary, which we'll get to talk about in next week's podcast. So, that's it for the linebacker position for now. We're going to go ahead and, and briefly touch on some of the matchups here in the championship weekend. What to watch out for. Appalachian State taking on Louisiana in the Sun Belt Championship. App State, um, you know, I think Darrington Evans is a nice running back for them. Um, you know, the quarterback, Zach, Zach Thomas, Obviously, throwing the football, um, you know, a nice leader there. If Louisiana is going to want to win this game, if, if the Raging Cage is Louisiana Lafayette, the three-headed monster running the football, they're really going to have to take over. Elijah Mitchell, um, Trey Regis, and uh, Raymond Calais 
those are, are, are three running backs that you really enjoy watching. They're really a lot of fun to watch, and they really enjoy running behind uh, Robert Hunt, a guy who I think is going to be one of the top guards in, in this draft. He's a tackle, playing tackle, but he'll be a guard at the next level. And uh, so I think that matchup, watching that running game against uh, Appalachian State and their stout defense, that's going to be interesting to watch. I think App State ultimately ends up winning the game, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than everyone's expecting. OU taking on Baylor in the Big 12 championship. Man, what a game. Uh, the last time these two played. Tale of two halves, really. You know, uh, OU down 28-3. Baylor really stepping up. Uh, you know, Charlie Brewer having a, a, a tremendous first half there against the Sooners. Denzel Mims, really his go-to target. Um, didn't run the ball a ton in that game. And uh, OU in the second half, Jalen Hurts really taking over. They didn't have CeeDee Lamb in the game, so you have CeeDee Lamb uh, in this contest. You know, and I, I think OU, you know, last game it was 34-31. The defense really stepped up and played well, especially against the run. I think Caleb, the addition of Caleb Kelly to that defense, I think – um, can't be understated enough, in my opinion, because I think that allows Kenneth Murray to really just play in space and fly around to the football. I think what's going to happen, though, is you're going to see that secondary, Parnell Motley and Trey Brown, really being tested by those receivers, especially Denzel Mims, a guy who is is big, he's physical, um, you know, has a tremendous catch radius, adjusts well to the football, comes back for the ball, plucks the ball out of the air, and, and really is a difficult guy to bring down after the catch. Um, he's going to give those that secondary problems. OU, uh, you know, they've been more mostly a running team. They've really had to, you know, just really run in the football. Teams, they're daring teams to to stop them, you know, running the ball. And if you can't stop them, they're just going to continue to wear you down, uh, play some of that ball control football. And uh, you know, some of that is is attributed to 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 Jalen Hurts, um, you know, and you know he gets himself into trouble at times with some of his his decision making and some of his throws. But, uh, you know, with that said, C.D. Lamb coming back, he's going to have that security blanket, um, you know, being able to, to hit him down the field at times. You know, I, I think Baylor, what's going to happen with Baylor, unlike against uh, Oklahoma State, you're going to have to throw the ball at some time, at some point. Um, you know, so getting C.D. Lamb involved, getting Charleston Rambo involved, um, you know, I think is going to be huge because if you're just running the football, I know you're going to run a lot of those zone reads and such, but, James Lynch is is the best defensive end that nobody's really talking about. You know, he's 295 pounds. Uh, talked about him in, in last week's uh, podcast. He's a guy to me that could be a difference maker on the um, on the line for uh, the Baylor Bears. You know, just a guy who really reminds me of, um, just, just, you know, reminds me of. Uh, Justin Smith for for Missouri just because you know he's not quite as athletic but uh, you know just a guy who just continues to work a tireless worker excellent hands shows a pretty good burst coming off the edge and then Bravion Roy uh, the six one two uh, three hundred thirty three pound nose tackle for the Bears um, you know they they have this this formation there under Phil Snow the defensive coordinator where everybody's a st- you know is, is a stand up rusher and including uh, Bravion Roy. And he shows a surprising burst for a guy that big coming off the football. Um, you know, does a really good job shooting gaps at first step quickness. 
that matchup against Creed Humphrey is going to really be a lot of fun to watch. Can Creed Humphrey, you know, uh, keep him in front of him? Can he, you know, utilize the, his his uh, his power steps? Um, be able to mirror mirror Roy, or is Roy going to beat him with the quickness coming off the football? That's going to be the big question. Is Roy going to be able to take on multiple blockers? Can James Lynch, with his um, you know his nonstop motor, his effort, his ability to really push the uh, the, the tackle back into the into the quarterback, you know, if if they can disrupt. Jalen Hurts make him make some some poor decisions. I think it could be a long day for the Sooners. At the end of the day, though, I think the Sooners will impose their will. I think the defense is going to make enough plays, and I think ultimately the Sooners will win the Big Twelve and uh, will go on to the college football playoff. Florida Atlantic taking on UAB Conference USA Championship. Lane Kiffin going to be announced as uh, the uh, the Mississippi. Uh, head coach, uh, according to ESPN and a couple of the other media outlets, um, you know Florida Atlantic, you know they're a team that lost uh, Devin Singletary. They lost their linebacker Aziz Alshire, um, who's playing at the next level as well. Um, so you know don't know a whole lot about Florida Atlantic to be perfectly honest. UAB, what I do know about them is uh, David Reeves and their defense, top 10 in a lot of statistical categories in the FBS. Spencer Brown, the running back, is uh, an explosive, powerful back as well. Um, So that's going to be really a fun, intriguing matchup that people aren't really talking about there uh, within Conference USA. Uh, talked about the American Athletic Conference Championship. Memphis taking on Cincinnati there at the Liberty Bowl. I feel like we just did this, and uh, here we are doing it all over again. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell, the running back there from Memphis, is going to, um, you know, they're going to have to make sure that they try to shut him down the best that they can. Um, Kobe Bryant, the the corner there, named after, you know, his parents named him after their favorite basketball player, Kobe, K-O-B-E. Son named C-O-B-Y Bryant. You know, see what he can do against uh, the, the likes of of Demonte Coxey, uh, Antonio Gibson, slowing some of those guys down. Um, you know, Cincinnati. They, I think Desmond Ritter. You know, not having him in the game really, really hurt them. Um, you know, Michael Warren. They they need to get him going early and often. And uh, being able to get the ball to DeGuara, the tight end. But Memphis, there's been no slowing that offense down. And uh, I expect Memphis to end up coming victor- you know, coming away victorious in that game. Which takes us to the SEC Championship. Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. LSU taking on Georgia. Joe Burrow in that offense taking on that Georgia defense. The vaunted Georgia defense, which is one of the tops in, you know, one of the, top in the country. So many the depth is is unreal. I mean, they they play you know six, seven, eight, nine deep there on the on the defensive line. They rotate some of the linebackers in. A lot of guys in the secondary get a lot of playing time as well. Led by Monty Rice, uh, Tyler Clark up front, Tay Crowder at linebacker, and then in the secondary you've got Richard LeCount, the say the center fielder who does a really good job. You know, reading. Um, Reading the quarterback, reading the the routes, understands where he needs to be, comes downhill into the box in a hurry to make plays behind the line of scrimmage or right around the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, so Georgia, you know, they they've got a lot there defensively, but look, come on, you know, Joe Burrow, what he's been able to do, he's been like a surgeon back there, just really taking apart defenses, and he's so smart too. You know, he, he knows when to pull the football. You know, I, I didn't talk about the game against Texas A&M um, too much, 
but he knew when to when to pull the football and take off. Um, you know, surveying the field, the field opens up. You know, he, he's uh, you know he's sneaky athletic. You know, and would take the take the football, take off down you know down the field. Um, very athletic on the move as well, getting his shoulders square to the line of scrimmage. You know, with his eyes down the field, making connections with uh, Jamar Chase. And and Justin Jefferson, uh, Terrace Mitchell, or I'm sorry, Marshall, and uh, Thaddeus Moss, Randy Moss's son. And then they're going to have to show. Uh, that's not enough. They're going to have to try to slow down uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire running the football. Georgia offensively, you know, you've got Jake Fromm. Is uh, DeAndre Swift going to be healthy or not? Jake Fromm, you know, if you're going to ask him to win the game, you know, that's where really, you know, if if he has a, a slow start like he did against Georgia Tech, um, they could be in for a long, long game because LSU is going to take advantage. That defense, you've got Rashard Lawrence up front. Um, you know, Obviously with Chasen, you've got uh, you know Patrick Queen and uh, Jacob Phillips there at the linebacker positions. Uh, Grant Delpit leading that secondary with, uh, with Christian Fulton. Uh, and and the, the fabulous freshman, uh, you know, Derek Stingley, I think Jacoby Stevens at safety is another guy who's kind of an unheralded player there at LSU who's really been making some plays. Um, I think LSU comes into this game and uh, that offense just has too much firepower. I think they ultimately end up getting the win over Georgia um, and allow them to move on, punch their ticket for the playoff. Boise State and Hawaii playing on the blue turf in Boise, Idaho at Albertson Stadium, Mountain West Championship game. And I think this is Boise State's game to lose. You know, the quarterback position really is is one of the, the bigger questions. Is Hank Bachmeyer going to play? This is a guy who, you know, to me, um, was having a tremendous uh, freshman season, battled some injuries, you know, some consistency issues uh, at, at times, and uh, you know, ultimately had to relinquish the, the starting spot and uh, you can hear me flipping through my notes. I'm trying to find the last game there for Boise. Um, you know, Boise for me, you know, they, they've got Jalen Henderson, the quarterback. He threw for 251 yards and a couple of touchdowns in that game. You know, you've got George Alani running the football. You also have Robert Mahone, um, but not really as effective running the football. I think they do enough. Offensively, um, you know, Bachmeyer was throwing for over 400 yards. Jalen uh, Henderson, more of a running quarterback. Um, you know, it's going to be an interesting dynamic there. Curtis Weaver getting after the quarterback um, there in Hawaii. Um, you know, I, I just I, I think Boise State at the end of the day is just going to do enough to get the victory. It may not necessarily be pretty, but they're going to get the job done against uh, Hawaii and the, the the Rainbow Warriors. Clemson taking on Virginia mentioned earlier. Uh, Clemson's going to punch their ticket, you know, to the the CFP here with a big win over Virginia, uh, Bank of America Stadium in uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina. You know, too much firepower. Trevor Lawrence throwing to uh, you know T Higgins, Justin Ross, and company. Then Travis Etienne running the football behind a veteran offensive line. Um, you know, Jackson. I'm sorry. Um, you know the 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 tackle, um, Carmen, is is a guy who's going to be talked about as a potential first rounder in the twenty twenty one draft. But with, with John Simpson 
and Sean Pollard and Tremaine Ankrum, veteran guys there up front um, on that offensive line, guys who are all going to get drafted and have a chance to play at the next level. Um, you know, Virginia, Eli Hambeck, uh, Jordan Mack, an inside backer, Charles Snowden, an li- outside linebacker we haven't really talked about, but the 6'7 uh, linebacker has a tremendous amount of length. I think what they miss is, is is Bryce Hall in the secondary. Would have loved to have seen that matchup against, have him go up against uh, T. Higgins, but Bryce Hall going down to injury out for the year. The ball skills there, you can't just teach what he has in terms of the instincts with the ball skills. Um, losing him definitely hurts in this game. But uh, even with him in the game, I don't think it really matters. Clemson just too much firepower. They end up winning big. And then the Big Ten Championship, Ohio State taking on Wisconsin. Uh, Lucas Oil Field in Indianapolis, Indiana. Ohio State, look, Justin Fields, we're going to be talking about him as a potential NFL prospect for the 2021 draft. But let's talk about the guys who are going to be potential draft picks here. Um, J.K. Dobbins, I think, is going to have a big game. He's going to have to against Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin's defense, I thought, showed up very well against uh, Minnesota. Um, very surprising that Minnesota wasn't able to get the get the running game going. But Ohio State, so explosive. You know, I think that's one of the things. They jump out to a big lead. Can Wisconsin really um, – do they have an explosive uh, enough of an offense to be able to make that up? Penn State was able to do that against Ohio State, just ran out of a little bit of time. Um, I just don't know that Wisconsin is ex- as explosive as they need to be uh, to upset Ohio State. You know, I, I look at Ohio State, that offensive line, Jonah Jackson at at, uh, at the left guard position. He's one of those guys to watch. Wyatt Davis, the right guard. We may be talking about him as a potential first rounder in next year's draft. Um, and then obviously Ohio State defensively. Come on. Chase Young. Cole Van Landen, watch out. You're going to be in for a long day. Uh, my friend there at the at the left tackle position. Chase Young just uh, living in opposing backfields. So explosive coming off the edge. Um, but he's not the only guy. You know, that's one of the things that I think is is so, you know, Ohio State defensively up front. You've got uh, Devon Hamilton, Robert Landers at defensive tackle. Um, the linebackers, Pete Werner is a junior but a veteran guy. Tough Borland in the middle. And then uh, Malik Harrison, who we talked about earlier. In the secondary, is Sean Wade going to play? You know, that is a question at that safety position. But Amir Reap played well last week in his stead. Um, Jeffrey Okuda. Absolutely the number one uh, corner in uh, the 2020 draft. And uh, I think you'll get to see why. He'll be matched up quite a bit with uh, Wisconsin's wide, top wide out, uh, Quintus Cephas, a guy who I think you know really has stepped up and played well. I don't know that he'll enter the draft. He just fought his way back onto the roster there at Wisconsin after being uh, falsely accused uh, of sexual assault. Won that case, ended up getting re, uh, reinstated at Wisconsin, then you know, reinstated onto the football team as well. And all he's done, he's caught you know, multiple passes in every game there for Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, the team went away from some of the vertical threats. I want to see them really test things, though. He's one of those guys who I think can get vertical, and I think he's one of those guys who has the uh, has the skills to test Jeffrey Okuda a little bit. I want to see that. I want to see some of those matchups that are really going to test Jeffrey Okuda. I mean, obviously, the biggest matchup that I want to see is Ohio State and LSU ultimately in the, in the college football playoff championship, really getting to see what uh, Jeffrey Okuda can do against the likes of uh, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, uh, Terrace Mitchell. I'm sorry, Marshall. I keep doing that. Um 
you know, Ohio State, they also have Damon Arnett, who's going to get drafted. I think he'll probably end up being a day three guy, though. Um, you know, Jordan Fuller, the veteran there at the safety position, he's actually improved quite a bit. I think he'll probably end up being a fourth rounder when it's all said and done at the safety position. Wisconsin, offensively, it's all about Jonathan Taylor. Only he and Herschel Walker have rushed for as many yards, you know, um, you know, over the, the first three seasons, you know, I, I think that's one of the things that is, is just so impressive about Jonathan Taylor. Um, you know, yes, he, he's not uh, the pass catcher that some of the other guys are, but he has improved his hands. Uh, 5'11", 219 pounds. Um, look, almost 6,000 yards on the ground. I mean, it's just, it's it's staggering what this guy's going to do. He's at 59-32, so he'll end up going over 6,000 yards for his career in, in the game. Um, you know, 38 receptions 22 of them so far this year five touchdowns um you know but he's got 20 touchdowns this year 49 in his career 6.7 yards per carry average uh in in his career as well he ran behind an offensive line with with uh three guys who are still that are now in the nfl and, and david edwards if you're going right to left david edwards uh bo benshaw and michael dieter and David Edwards really making an impression there with the Rams. Um, you know, I, I think he's playing guard, and uh, and Bobby Evans for OU is, is playing tackle. But uh, you know, he, this year not as many uh, not as many yards. The average isn't quite there either. Um, you know, but a big reason why is is they had to replace some of those starters. But Tyler Biadis, the center. Uh, the guy, he, he's he's intelligent, he's athletic, does a tremendous job pulling. Does you know he's he's exceptional in both the run game and as a pass blocker. Uh, Three year starter there at Wisconsin. He'll be a first rounder. Um, I think he's he's going to come out after the the end of his junior season. Defensively, the guy to watch is going to be number fifty six, Zach Bond. Plays like his hair's on fire. Reminds me of Chase Winovich, you know, coming off the edge. Although Winovich was a was a, a, a forty three defensive end, um, you know, Bond the three four outside linebacker. Just he plays with so much intensity, so much speed coming off the edge. Bends very well for for his size. Um, just a guy who I, I think he's going to have to get home early and often against Justin Fields um, to really you know make a make an impact there for the number eight Badgers. When you talk about Zach Bond, and uh, he's one of those guys that left off when we're talking about linebackers, didn't forget about Zach. Um, you know, eight and a half, eighteen and a half tackles for loss, eleven and a half sacks uh, on on the year for Bond. Uh, again, you know, six three, two thirty five, right in that range. Um, you know, as an explosive, explosive outside linebacker guy, who can be very disruptive, and uh, you know, I, I think. You know that's going to be the test for those offensive tackles for for Thayer Mumford, Brandon Bowen, having to deal with 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 Bond. You know that's going to be the the big question, and I think you're going to see you know the the, the tight ends. You're going to see uh, Luke Farrell. You're going to see uh, Jeremy Rucker probably you know looking to double team him a little bit, or maybe the guards either Wyatt Davis or uh, Jonah Jackson. Uh, you know getting in there on him as well. Maybe even a chip from from J.K. Dobbins here and there as well. Uh, but I just think Ohio State has too much. I think they end up going in and, and winning convincingly to punch their ticket for the college football playoff. So when it's all said and done, I think you're going to have Ohio State at one, LSU at two, Clemson at three, OU at four, 
LSU and Clemson. That'd be a tremendous matchup. You know, you'll get to see uh, you know those receiving core going against a very veteran um, secondary there for Clemson. I think that'd be a fun matchup to watch. AJ Terrell, you know, one of the top corners in the draft. Uh, you know, Tanner Muse, a big physical safety linebacker hybrid type uh, there in the secondary as well. Uh, getting to go up against the all the the likes of those big name line, uh, wide receivers, and then watching that Clemson offense with T. Higgins, he'll get to go up against Christian Fulton. The matchups, I think that's what's really going to be a lot of fun. And then Ohio State, can OU slow down Ohio State? I think the really big thing is you're going to see a lot of uh, Kennedy Brooks. You're going to see a lot of Ramonde uh, Ramondre uh, Stevenson. You're going to see a lot of Jalen Hurts running the football, trying to take the ball out of the hands of Justin Fields, out of J.K. Dobbins. I think that's really what would be interesting um, is taking that offense off the field, allowing their defense uh, to to get some of those breathers against a high power and potent offense. Um, you know, and, and giving Alex Grinch a couple of weeks to really study what Ohio State does. That would be an intriguing matchup as well. I think ultimately what you'd have is likely Ohio State and LSU coming away victorious, although there is a darn good shot with what Dabo Sweeney is doing there in Clemson. He's talking about them being the underdog and the people aren't really giving them a shot to win. Clemson right now is probably the most dangerous team because they're playing with that chip on their shoulder and uh, people are overlooking them. You know, and the defense, you know, there aren't the names that they had a season ago. Um, offensively, they have the firepower, but, you know, that defense has just been clamping down on teams. Granted, it's against an ACC that's down this year. So really the question is going to be, can they slow down that LSU offense? And that is, I think, what's going to make the difference between LSU and Clemson. So getting ahead of ourselves, we'll probably be having more of these conversations about some of the different matchups, but that's just what I'm expecting to see. We'll see if I'm right. You know, after this week, I may have differing opinions. Obviously, we'll get to see um, who ultimately is selected by, you know, in the CFP after the games. The games obviously have to be played first. We'll see if any of these predictions come to fruition. We'll see what happens, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, can't believe the college football season, uh, the regular season is over. We're talking about the, the championship week, and then we'll get into the bowl series. You know, I'll talk about all the different bowl games. We'll talk about all the matchups over the next couple of weeks. Then we'll springboard into the pre-draft process. We'll talk about a lot of the uh, underclassmen, who's decided to declare, who hasn't. I mentioned that we were going to do that here. And so some of the names that we've already seen, um, you know, first of all, that are coming back, Cole Komet, uh, the tight, the wonderful tight end there at Notre Dame, out uh, in the offensive tackle, Liam Eichenberg, who I had as a top 10 tackle. They're both coming back uh, to South Bend, as are um, Pat, Pat Fryermuth. Um, coming back to Penn State, I, you know, I thought that that was a, a nice move there, a nice get back there for uh, for Penn State. Um, but guys entering the draft, J.J. Taylor of Arizona, the running back, you know, 5'6", uh, you know, diminutive running back, battled a little bit of injuries there at times. Uh, you know, Central Florida, big wide out, uh, Gabriel Davis. You know, this is the thing with the receivers. I worry about him getting lost in the shuffle in such a deep uh, deep class, but I think he's a guy who I think could be, you know, he's a big physical guy, vertical threat, 
And uh, he's one of those guys in some draft classes. He could be a day two pick, but I think he'll end up falling to the fifth, probably a fifth round when it's all said and done. Colorado's LaVisca Chenault, absolutely explosive guy who's going to be a first round pick for sure. Florida's CJ Henderson, you know, very, you know, he's a finesse corner at times. You know, he doesn't like to come up and hit people, um, but he can be a lockdown corner on the edge. He'll be a first rounder. Uh, Maryland's Anthony McFarland Jr., um, you know, an undersized uh, running back, but explosive speed. Uh, keep an eye on him, especially when we get into some of the testing. Michigan's Josh Uche. I mentioned him at, at the linebacker position. And, and for Josh, you know, for Uche, you know, it, it comes down to the potential versus some of the production and, and what he's done at, at Michigan. You know, 19 and a half tackles for loss, 15 and a half sacks, um, back-to-back seasons with at least seven sacks on the year. But he's another guy who's disappeared at times. You know, I talked about uh, Daryl Taylor. You know, he's coming off the edge. Yes, he was Michigan's best uh, pass rusher, um, but there were times where you know you're expecting him to make plays and he just didn't do it. Um, so you, you worry about some of the consistency there. Cam Dantzler is a top 10 corner there from Mississippi State. He's entering the draft. The ball skills are evident. He was coached by Terrell Buckley, who, you know, if you talk to Terrell Buckley, you know, who made a name for himself at, uh, at the next level, um, you know, he, he's one of those guys, you know, he thinks is the best corner in the draft. He's 6'2", just a buck 85, um, could get pushed around by some of the bigger receivers out there. But, you know, five interceptions, 20 pass breakups in his career. Um, you know, he's a guy who has a chance to be a day two pick. Uh, Missouri losing a trio uh, now that Barry Odom was fired. Jordan Elliott, uh, the, the defensive tackle. Athletic, you know, had three sacks. In one game, as a as a sophomore, the the transfer out of out of uh, Texas coming to Mizzou, and a uh, guy who who can you know get some quickness off the ball, can make some plays behind the line of scrimmage. I just wonder about consistency with him. Albert Oe Boonham, you know the tight end. He's going to test well. He's going to run a really quick forty. He needs to stay healthy. He needs to be an improved blocker, but absolutely a, a weapon in the passing game. And then Tristan Colon Castillo is he a center? Could he be a potential tackle? You know, he's got some decent size to him, a veteran there um, along the interior for the Tigers. Um, you know, Isaiah Hodgins there at Oregon State, another guy who could potentially get lost in the shuffle, but he's one of those guys who's just a lot of fun to watch. You know, and, and uh, you know, very smooth, um, big wide out. Um, and uh, let's see, 6'4", 209 pounds, over 1,100 yards this past season with 86 receptions, 13 touchdowns. Um, but you know, a guy you worry about with this deep draft class, is he going to fall, fall through the cracks? Yitro Gross Matos there at Penn state. Yep. He's coming out. He's a first rounder in my book, a guy who just, you know, makes plays behind the line of scrimmage, excellent length. Um, TCU's Jalen Rager. You're really going to have to put on the, the, the game film from 2018 struggle with the quarterback position, obviously with Max, du- Max Duggan, um, catching the, uh, or really throwing the football there. Son of a former NFL uh, defensive player, uh, Monte Rager. Uh, Jalen Rager, you know, 5'11", 195 pounds. Really, you know, a guy who can play in the slot and on the outside. Had 72 receptions for over 1,000 yards, 9 touchdowns. As a sophomore, the biggest thing for him, he's so explosive, can get down the field, but it's some inconsistency with his hands, especially when he's going in traffic. That's really what worries me about him. And then I mentioned Hunter Bryant, the tight end there for Washington, 6'2", 239 pounds, um, a guy who can be a, a matchup nightmare 
um, for linebackers and safeties. Um, let's see, like I said, 6'2", 239, have 52 catches, 825 yards, and three touchdowns. That's a 15.9 yard per catch average. Now let's compare that with Evan Engram. You know, if, if we will for a minute, Evan Engram, 6'3", 227 pounds, uh, 65 receptions, 926 yards, eight, touch, eight touchdowns, 14.2 yard per catch average. So when you look at that, they have similar, you know, similar body type in terms of their, their height and weight. Um, and, you know, their final season, they put together some pretty nice uh Overall, some some pretty nice numbers. You know, not quite to the level of Evan Ingram, but it's pretty darn close uh, in his final season there for for Hunter Bryant. Um, you know, he, he probably not going to be a a guy who could sneak into round number one, but I think he'll end up being an, a, a second round pick because of his ability to to stretch the defenses a little bit. You know, definitely a weapon up the seam and a guy who can actually make plays on the outside as well. So those are the underclassmen to this point that have declared we'll be talking about them all later on in uh future podcasts as well so we're going to go ahead and put this episode to bed hopefully you've enjoyed the breakdown and uh you'll be able to enjoy a saturday of championship weekend next time we talk we'll already know what the matchups will be in the college football playoff. We'll also take a look at the bowls a little bit. Um, you know, we also have to take a look at the secondary, so we won't forget about the secondary. We'll probably have a separate podcast to actually talk about the bowl games. We'll break down the first half of the bowl games because we're going to have so many. We'll make sure to break down the first half. Then we'll have another podcast where we'll break down the second half. And, uh, you know, that'll take us through the end of of 2019 hard to believe 2020 just right around the corner but uh you know we're approaching it fast and furious we'll get at least a couple of more podcasts in here before the end of the year so for ready for the draft.com this has been the ready for the draft podcast i've been your host greg shoots enjoy your weekend everyone of college enjoy college football and we'll talk again next week we'll do it all over again Take care, everyone, and I am out of here.